Amen. Take your copy of God's Word, please, and be turning to the book of Ruth. We encourage you, if you're not bringing your Bible to service, please bring it. Be prepared to follow along as we preach God's Word. Ruth chapter 2 today. We're going to read this passage together and see what God has for us. Ruth chapter 2, and we'll begin reading at verse number 1. Ruth chapter 2, begin reading at verse number 1. Ruth chapter 2, and I'm going to begin our reading today at verse number 1. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her half was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. And so she came and have continued even from the morning until now that she, that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou uh, not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? Verse 11 says that Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. And how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity and are come into a people which thou knowest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers. And he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even and beat out that that she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. And she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today? And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. 
And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, This man's name with whom I have wrought today is Boaz. Verse 20 says, And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. And Ruth the Moabitess said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of the barley harvest and of the wheat harvest, and dwelled with her mother-in-law. Let's pray and ask God's help today. Father, we pray that you would help us as we look into your word, help us to rightly divide it, speak to hearts today. Have your will accomplished. We pray these things in the Savior's name. Amen. In his book called Plan B, uh, Pastor Pete Wilson uh, recounts the story of contemporary Christian music artist Tammy Trent. He said it began in September of 2001 when Tammy was invited on a mission trip to Jamaica. Her husband, Trent, See, she had taken his first name as her last name. Uh, He was going along because they had planned to take a week of vacation uh, before the mission trip started. He writes, they had a fantastic week in Jamaica. Then with one day left before the mission trip, Trent decided he wanted to go diving in the Blue Lagoon. That's a famous water hole just east of Port Antonio. He had been a certified diver since the age of 12, so naturally Tammy wasn't worried. It was a lovely day on what had been a memorable vacation. He writes, after diving out to the Blue Lagoon, Tammy and Trent had lunch beside the dock. They chatted while Trent put on his wetsuit and fins, and they sat together for a while beside the deep blue water. Tammy even took a few pictures at Trent's request. Then Trent slipped into the water. Baby, he said, I'll just be about 15 minutes. When I get back, we'll go and do something that you want to do. Okay, Trent, she answered nonchalantly. Uh, Tammy watched her husband slip into the water and swim toward the deep hole he wanted to explore. And about halfway there, he lifted his head out of water and he waved goodbye. And and Tammy waved uh, back. He wrote here she had no idea it'd be the last time she'd ever see Trent. Alive. Trent was free diving that afternoon, diving without an oxygen tank. And so as Tammy sat there watching the water, she would see him bob up every few minutes and catch her breath. She finished her lunch and she got distracted by a boat and some snorkelers in the area. And then suddenly she realized it had been more than 30 minutes since she had seen Trent come up for air. It's okay, she told herself, trying not to panic. Everything's fine. Trent's a great diver. He's made this kind of dive a million times. There's nothing to worry about. But, beloved, Tammy was worried. In fact, she was frantic. The men in the boat took her out to search, but they couldn't find Trent. Divers were called in, but they had to give up when darkness fell. All Tammy could do was wait and pray and prepare herself as best she could for what they would find. They recovered Trent's body the next morning. This was the most terrifying event in Tammy's life. She was in a location where she knew no one. 
Her family, her friends and her church were thousands of miles away trying desperately to make arrangements to get to her. And Tammy, as you can imagine, was in shock. She was feeling hopeless and fearful and scared and numb. But knowing that God was with her, she never doubted that. She still felt totally alone. She was sitting in her hotel room. She was trying to get her head around all that had happened. And another guest calls out to her and says, hey, turn on the television. And so Tammy turned on the television just in time to see a jet plow into the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center. You see, that day was September 11th, 2001. And Tammy sat there in shock thinking, what does this mean? The world is falling apart. America is falling apart. Nothing seemed to make sense. She, she, she just kept wondering, what now? What now, God? As she lost her husband, as she watches as terrorists attack her own country. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if the lady in our story today, Naomi, didn't have some of the very same questions and very same thoughts as her world literally came crashing down around her. If you were with us in the last couple of messages, you know that Naomi is a widow. She'd lost her husband, Elimelech. She lost her two sons, uh, uh, Malon and Kilion. She had her daughter-in-law, Ruth, with her. Her other daughter-in-law, Orpah, had gone back to her people. It seems, as we read in chapter 1 over the last couple of weeks, that she was struggling with bitterness. She thought God was against her. She had had her world crash down around her. But what we learn in this wonderful story is that God was not finished with Naomi. God was not against Naomi. God was for Naomi. And in this chapter, chapter two, we begin to see God working and moving in her life to bring about his purposes, to bring about his plan, to bring about her deliverance. I love what Warren Wiersbe wrote about this. He said, before God changes our circumstances, he wants to change our hearts. Think about that. Before God changes our circumstances, he wants to change our hearts. Why? He said, well, if our circumstances change for the better, but we remain the same, then we will become worse. God and his his providence is, is not seeking to make us comfortable, but to make us conformable, to make us conform to the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He said this Christ like character is the divine goal for each of his children. If you're a child of God today, if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, God's working in your life to make you like his son, the Lord Jesus. Now, the book of Ruth is a beautiful love story. And we find Ruth and Boaz here and we find all that takes place as we'll continue studying it together. But I want you to remember this as we study. God is the hero of the book of Ruth. By the way, in all the great stories of all the great Bible characters, whether we think about Joseph in the Old Testament or we think about the Virgin Mary or we think about Daniel in the den of lions, if we think about all these great Bible characters, always remember this. God is the hero in each and every story. 
God is at work. And we begin to see him working here in Naomi's life and Ruth's life. And we see in his providence, in his faithfulness, in his love, we find that he begins to work and move and weave out his plan in their lives. You have two widows here, Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth. And really, they're in a desperate situation. They have to find some way to survive. So let's look at how God provided for them. I want you to notice, first of all, today that God provided direction. God provided direction at the very last verse of chapter one. Notice what it says at the very end of that verse. Verse 22 of chapter one. It says they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Now, as I understand it, the barley wheat harvest would last for about seven weeks. It would take place somewhere around this time of the year. And God directed them back to the land of Bethlehem at exactly the right time and then directed Ruth to the exact field that she should glean in. Now, a little background here. You have reapers and you have gleaners. Now, who in the world were the reapers and who were the gleaners? They were not two ball teams playing each other. You see, the reapers were those who were out there harvesting the crop. They didn't have John Deere. They didn't have all that. They had their hands. They would not work, as many of you maybe remember back from many years ago, doing the very same thing. And they're out there reaping. But then you have these folks called the gleaners. Well, who were the gleaners? Let me give you some scripture. Listen to these two verses. Leviticus 23, 22. And when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not make clean riddance of the corners of thy field when thou reapest. Neither shalt thou gather any gleaning of thy harvest. Thou shalt leave them unto the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 24, 19 says, When thou cuttest down thine harvest in thy field and hast forgot a sheep in the field, thou shalt not go again to fetch it. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, for the widow, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hands. You see, the gleaners were the poor people, the the foreigners, the widows, those who needed food, those who needed some way to survive. And God said to the children of Israel, listen, when you're reaping your harvest, don't get every single speck. If you forget part of your harvest, don't go back and get it. Leave it there for those who need to come in and glean because of their desperation. God was providing way back when. And we find that playing out here to get the idea. Uh, Fincher has a, a wheat field out behind our house. It'd be the idea he leaves some wheat there for me to go get. And the way my boys eat, I need you to do that, Fincher. If you leave some and I can go out there and glean and bring it in and uh, have some. That's the idea there. You don't reap it all. You leave some. Now, think about this. Of all the places that Ruth could have ended up, of all the places that she could have ended up that day, notice what it says in verse three. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her half was the light of a part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. Now, it says her hap was to light upon, or in other words, she just happened to, or by chance, she just happened to come to. She was lucky that she came to that field. Now, listen. From a human standpoint, that's what it appears to be. Man, she was lucky. She had a real great chance there. But listen, that's not what happened here. Listen, beloved, if you live by luck, I feel sorry for you. If you live by chance, I feel sorry for you. I know that God is in control of my life. I wonder if that's not even just a play on words there. The writer of this book saying, you know, she just happened to chance to come up on that. J. Vernon McGee said it this way. There are multitudes who would interpret the episode of that day as fate. 
In the program of God, there is no such thing as fate, chance or accident. And he says in the final analysis, no accident can happen to a child of God. He may be in a car wreck or he may be killed instantly. But for the child of God, that cannot be finally defined as an accident. Nothing can come to a Christian that does not first receive the permission of God. Chance is removed from the child of God. So listen, when things come in your life, believer, don't say, man, I had an unlucky day or I had a lucky day. No, God and his providence is working in your life and things come in your life. Everything that comes must be filtered through his loving hands, must be filtered through his permission. God is in control and beloved God is still in control. Put down your horoscopes and pick up the word of God. God is in control and God providentially directs Ruth's steps. He brought them back at the very right time, the beginning of barley harvest. He brought her right to the very spot she needed to be. Boaz's field. God provided direction. Notice, secondly, God provided food. Now, we have to admire Ruth. Ruth is industrious. She was a hard worker. When Boaz is talking to his his fellow, he has there over the. Uh, The reapers, notice what it says. He comes to the field, verse 4. He says unto the workers, the Lord be with you. And they answer him, the Lord bless thee. Man, what a boss to work for. A man who loved the Lord, a man who honored the Lord. And we find that it was reciprocal. But notice what it says in verse 5. He looks out there and says, whose damsel is this? He looked out on the field today and noticed there's somebody out there he didn't recognize. There's a young lady out there. He didn't know who it was. Verse 6 says, the servant who was set over the reaper said, it is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and noticed this. She had continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. In other words, she's been working hard all day. She took a little break, but she's been working, working, working. Now, listen, Ruth was not looking for a handout. She was not out there saying, you know, just give me, give me, give me. She says, may I go and work? May I go and labor? May I get out in the field and may I glean? And she worked diligently. She worked uh, uh, willingly to provide not only for herself, but also for Naomi. You might be wondering, well, why wasn't Naomi out in the field? We don't know. It could have been that she was too old. It could have been that she was physically unable to be out there. But Ruth goes. And you know what? God blesses Ruth. And we notice he begins to work through this man's name, uh, whose name is Boaz. Notice verse 14. Boaz said unto her, at mealtime come thou hither. And eat of the bread, dip thy morsel in the vinegar. I mean, so she had a, a nice lunch there. He reached her parched corn. She did eat and was suffice. We know she saved some back and took home to Naomi. Read that later. It says there, Boaz commanded his young men, let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not. And, and notice what he says in verse 16. Let, let fall also some of the handfuls on purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. In other words, guys, when you're out there and you're reaping, 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 let some fall on purpose. Make it easy for her. And we find that she works and she works and she works. And at the end of the day, it says in verse 17, she gleaned in the field unto the even and she beat out that which she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. Now, you might be wondering, well, how much is that? You know, we don't measure things in that regard. Well, According to one author, I read it, it equals about six U.S. gallons. So get a gallon in your mind and think about six. Another said it would be about 30 pounds of barley. And get this, 
One, one writer said it was enough to feed 50 fighting men. 50 fighting men. Now think about that. That was a good day's harvest. That was a good day of gleaning. That was a good day for Ruth and Naomi. These two widows could eat on that for some time. They were not going to go hungry. God had provided their needs. He provided direction. He provided food. Notice, thirdly, He provided protection. He provided protection. Look at verse 9. It says, Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art a thirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Now, a woman like Ruth would have been very vulnerable in this day and age in this she's living. Very vulnerable to being attacked. Very vulnerable to being abused. And Boaz says, listen, I've taken care of that. I've told the young men, don't you lay a hand on her. Now think about that. If she had wandered to the wrong field with the wrong owner, the story could have been totally different. But God provides direction. God provides food. God provides protection. Notice, fourthly, God provides encouragement. Encouragement. Look back at verse 10. How does she respond to Boaz? She fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes? That thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger. I'm just, I'm just a Moabite girl. I'm just a Moabite widow. Who am I that you would take note of me? Notice what it says in verse 11. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It had been fully showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. How thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, and are come into a people which thou knewest not heretofore. You know what I find out? In, in Bethlehem there, uh, news traveled fast. Kind of like Ansonville in this area, right? The word got around quick. Who is that? Ah, oh, that's Ruth, the Moabitess. Boy, she's been good to her mother-in-law. She's been good to this family. Boaz says, I know all about this. I've heard about this. Notice what he says in verse 13 or verse 12. The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Now, I say that she received encouragement. Why? Think about what she left. She left everything she knew. She left her father, her mother. She left her homeland. She did all these things. She's traveled this way and she's lived for some time with a bitter mother-in-law. Talk about something difficult to deal with, right? A bitter mother-in-law. Now, we know God's working in Naomi's life and he's going to bring about. We see that in this passage even today. But she has not had an easy go of it. She lost her husband. She's a widow. She's left all that she knew. And one has to wonder, has Ruth gotten one word of encouragement up to this point? But here that day she did. Boaz says, listen, I know what you've done. I know what you're doing. May God bless you. And he did. And he does. And we'll continue to see it. God was going to honor what Boaz prayed and said there in verse 12. The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Are you seeing the greatness of our God? Are you seeing the providence and the faithfulness of God? Here he has these two ladies, brings to the right place at the right time with the right man, with the right purpose. He provides them direction, provides them food, provides them protection, provides them encouragement. And may I say, fifthly, he provides them a hope and a future, a hope and a future. 
Boaz says there in verses 8 and 9, Go not to glean another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by thy maidens. In other words, I want you to stay in my field. I want you to glean in my field. Don't worry about going anywhere else, looking anywhere else. You can come here and glean and get all that you want. Drop down to verse number 21. Ruth the Moabitess said, he said unto me also, thou shalt keep first or fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. Verse 22 says there, and Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter. Thou go not out with, thou go out with his maidens. They meet thee not in another field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean into the end of the barley harvest of the wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. But here's the interesting thing. Naomi provides a little something else about Boaz. It says in verse 20, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us. Near of kin unto us. One of our next kinsmen. Now think about that for a moment. God's provided a hope and a future. They don't have to worry about the harvest. They can glean in the field of Boaz. That's taken care of. But God is not done. God's going to give them a future. Now, what's so great about him being a kinsman, being a relative? Well, this is where you begin to see the theme of Ruth. You see, the theme here is the great kinsman redeemer. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, without getting too technical, let me share with you how MacArthur explains this in his his study Bible notes. You see, back then, a, a close relative could redeem certain things. He could redeem a family member sold into slavery. He could buy that family member back and get him out of slavery. He could redeem a land that was sold during hard economic uh, times. He could get that land back. He could also redeem the family name by virtue of a leverate marriage. We'll talk about a leverate marriage in a moment. You say, what kind of marriage is that? We'll, we'll look at it in a moment. Here's what's happening here. Boaz really... Is a picture of Christ. What do you mean preacher? Listen. Boaz pictures Christ. Who as a brother. Redeemed those who were slaves to sin. Had lost all their earthly possessions and privilege. Who had been alienated by sin from God. And Boaz comes. And we know that Boaz is even the direct line of Christ. If you go look at the genealogies. We'll talk about that later. But here's what's happening here. God is using this man, Boaz, to work in the life of these two ladies. And we think about this marriage. Now, I'm not sure Ruth knew what a leverate marriage was. Naomi did. Let me, let me give you the scripture. Listen to the scripture. Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10. If brethren dwell together and one of them die and have no child. Listen, the wife of the dead shall not marry without unto a stranger. Her husband's brother or a relative, a near relative, her husband's brother shall go in unto her and take her to him to wife and perform the duty of an husband's brother unto her. And it shall be that the firstborn which she beareth shall succeed in the name of his brother, which is dead, that his name be not put out of Israel. In other words, if, if a lady, her husband died and she's left there, she's not to go out and look for someone else to marry outside the family. Someone in the family was to marry her and raise up seed so the family name continued. You can read about that in Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10. We're going to find that's exactly what happens here in the book of Ruth. Understand that it's a very, very key thing. Now, some, some 
Scholars see this chapter 2 as love at first sight. In other words, Boaz went out that day and he said, who is that? Who is that damsel over there? Now, I don't know if that's what happened or not. We do know this is where boy meets girl. We do know that he was very generous in what he was doing here. We do know that he had her come for lunch and made sure she had parched corn and Good old bread and vinegar. We all love that, don't we? Uh, I mean, that's a romantic meal there. And made sure that, that young men, you don't touch her. Don't look at her direction. She's off limits. Uh, made sure that they dropped handfuls on purpose. So we, we have to wonder. I don't know if it was love at first sight or not. I'll be honest. I don't know. But we do know that the book of Ruth is a wonderful story of romance. And we're going to see as this grows, as we continue to read, that there will be this great romance here. And here we have boy meets girl. But as wonderful as that is and as lovely as that is, listen, even greater than that is how wonderful and faithful our God is. He directs their lives. He puts them where they need to be so he can provide for them. He provides their physical needs, but he also provides a hope and a future. That's why I said last week, listen, when you lose someone you love. You walk by faith and not by sight. Naomi couldn't understand all this way back then, but God's working, God's moving. And and all looked dark and and all looked hopeless and all looked discouraging. But God began to work on her behalf. God was not against her. God's for her. And all of these blessings came in a barley field. These are barley field blessings. God working in a barley field. Maybe you think God could only work in church. No, friend. God works all over. God's working in your life. When you get in those dark days, listen, let's bring it home. When you get in those dark days and your world is crashing around you, can I encourage you to stop for a moment? And could I encourage you to look around and look for God's hand at work on your behalf? Don't overlook the small things. Don't overlook the things that you might consider insignificant. You know, Ruth went out that day to glean Not knowing where she was going or not knowing who she was going to meet. But she went out and God ordered her her steps. We're not done with Naomi. We're not done with Ruth. We're going to continue this. But perhaps you're wondering about the lady I introduced you to at the beginning of the day's message, Tammy Trent. Maybe you're wondering how her story ended. If you remember, we left her. She's sitting there in the hotel room. She's just lost her husband. She's just witnessed the terrorist attacks on America on television. I mean, literally, the whole world is crashing in on Tammy. But praise God, her story doesn't end there. He writes a couple of days later, while Tammy's family and friends were trying frantically to get her home, Tammy had an experience she will never forget. She remembers sitting alone in her hotel bathroom, weeping and crying out to God. With tears racing down her face, she desperately prayed this prayer. God, I need to know that you're real. Are you there? Can you hear me? Can you see me? Do you feel the pain that I feel? At that moment, she found herself longing desperately to be with someone who loved her. All American flights were grounded. Why? Because of the 9-11 tragedy. No one in her family could get to her. And she missed her mother especially. She told God that she missed her mother. She said, God, if you can hear me. Would you send somebody to hold me? I'm not asking for thousands of angels or even hundreds. Just one angel who will hold me. Silence. 
Tammy sat there a little while longer, sniffling. And then somehow she got the impression that she was supposed to get up and leave the bathroom. She walked into the adjoining room and was puttering around when she heard someone moving around. She stuck her head out the door into the hall and noticed that the door on the adjoining room was open. And inside she saw a beautiful Jamaican woman standing there in a Hilton hotel uniform. Tammy looked at that woman and asked, ma'am, could you come in and make my bed? The woman said yes. But she also said this. I've been trying to get to you. I could hear you crying. I've been trying to get to you. Could I just come in and hold you? Tammy says it was was an instant answer to prayer. Everything that I'd ever longed to experience before my walk with God happened right there. I had asked God, could you just show up right here at this moment? And he did it for me at that moment. So I knew that somehow I would get through this. I knew God was very, very real. I knew I was not alone. Listen, beloved, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what tragedy you're going through. But I do know this. God is very, very real. God is seeking to work In your life. God wants to make you more like Christ. Cry out to Him. Trust Him. Walk with Him. He loves you. And He desires to work in your life. Would you bow your head and close your eyes very quickly here? Let me ask first of all as your heads bowed and eyes are closed. Do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Do you know today that heaven is your home? Do you know there's a time in your life when you turn from your sin to Christ? If not, friend... That's where you need to begin today. Repenting, turning from your sin to Christ. And I want to encourage you to do just that today. For those of you who already know Christ, maybe you're going through a dark time. Maybe you're struggling along. Let me ask you, Christian, will you trust God? Will you allow him to work in your life for your good and his glory? Will you hold on to God even when you don't understand And you can't even understand how in the world he would ever use this in your life. If that's you, would you cry out to God today? Would you let him know your heart's desire? Would you let him hear from your own lips that you're going to trust him? Would you ask him to help you to trust him? Will you do that today? Will you cry out to him and say, God, please, please make yourself known in my life. And use these times for your honor, for your glory, and for my good. Would you do that today? Would you cry out to him? He's here, he's real, and he loves you. Would you trust him? Would you hold on to him? Father, we thank you for this time in your word. We thank you for Naomi and Ruth. We thank you for Tammy's story that we shared. Lord, we thank you that you're real. You're here. You understand. You hear. You understand the pain we're going through. Father, I pray at this moment, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed and all are silent, you would speak to the heart of the one who does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. 
but today they come in faith, trusting him. I pray, Lord, for those who know Christ. I pray that you would speak to hearts today for those that are struggling along. That afresh and anew, they would cry out to you and hold on to you and say, yes, God, I believe you're working this out for my good and your glory. Have your will accomplished in this invitation. I pray in the Savior's name. Amen.